This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to Leadership Platform, multiplying authentic leaders, moving society. For all things leadership, go to www.leadershipplatform.com every Monday, 12 to 1 p.m., a leadership masterclass on cliffcentral.com. I'm Louis Grunewald, the old man, standing in for Adrian Grunewald, who is now, at this moment, on his way from um, the, South Africa, uh, the South Coast with his family. We welcome our special regular guest, Professor Theo Feltzman, uh, with us w- once again on the show. Welcome, uh, Prof. Theo. Thank you very much, and uh, welcome, and good day to the listeners as well. Uh, Theo, you're an old friend, not so old as me, but as I am, but you're a very, very important part of our leadership uh, um, offerings. Theo, you know, um, just to make sure that people understand how we look at you, could you sketch for a, just for a minute your own background, you know, your professional background, and, and uh, so the listeners can understand a bit more fully why we value your input so much. Uh, Thank you for that, uh, Louis. Um, I'm a a registered work psychologist. I prefer to use the term uh, work psychologist instead of industrial psychologist because we're no longer living in the industrial age. We're in the knowledge economy, the fourth industrial revolution. So it's about work. And as somebody said, work nowadays is what you do is not where you do it. So a work psychologist uh, started my career in the mining industry the Chamber of Mines Research Organization. It was a leading-edge research organization developing all the deep-level uh, mining technology in those days, then joined McCoflay thereafter um, as a management consultant. Ernst Young uh, headed up at a point the uh, people co- consulting, people effectiveness consulting unit for South Africa, and uh, then always along the way had uh, a part-time involvement in the academic field, um, teaching postgraduate and supervising master's and doctoral student. And in 2008, I was asked to join the Department of Industrial Psychology and People Management at the University of uh, Johannesburg full-time as HOD. And I retired then in 2016 from the department, but have been reappointed as a visiting professor, also now been appointed as a professor at Stellenbosch Business School. Uh, So the teaching is going on, the research is going on, the supervision is going on, and then uh, heavily back into consulting and working with with companies and organizations on very interesting topics. So my areas of specialization is uh, uh, strategic people, um, people strategy, it is organizational design, uh, leadership, and large-scale organizational change. That's me. Mm, Thank you, Theo. We could add quite a bit to that, and hopefully in future we'll do that. Um, Theo, um, today's topic uh, to the listeners out there is a crucial one, especially speaking from a personal point of view. The more we study leadership, the more we realize how intensely personal it becomes. It seems the old days you get away with wearing a mask uh, and say you're that kind of leader, and as Theo's often uh, pointed out, in our sessions as well, that those days are past. Um, uh, If you're not authentic, then your whole body language uh, comes through and and can do a lot of harm. Theo, will you introduce the subject? I just want to tell the listeners that every time we have a session with Theo, he prepares a highly professional, uh, uh, deep-rooted document, 
um, which in itself becomes a valuable asset to the world of leadership training. Uh, today, Theo, please introduce our very interesting subject. Yeah. Uh, Louis, uh, I want to, the topic for today is, starters, uh, starts from the premise that leadership is a journey. It is uh, a journey into the future. Leadership is about identifying possible futures, then choosing a desirable future and actualize that desirable future. So it's a journey between the, the to be, the desired state, the dream, the legacy that it will leave behind, and an ease state here in the present. And the journey actually happens between this to be and this ease, uh, uh, as ease states in the in-between. So, so um, leadership is not a static thing. It's an unfolding process um, as, as just um, this journey that leaders have to undertake. I think that's as a starting point, Louis, just setting the scene for the topic of today. I think listeners will note that uh, this really is a personal journey. Um, Theo, just to integrate it again with a synergy from our side, we, we captured the term um, and, and helping people understand the importance of, of uh, improving their leadership skills. We captured the term uh, of saying that leadership, as soon as you start in any kind of responsible position, it becomes your first profession. And in that sense, you gradually effectively leave your your existing profession behind as you learn to be skillful in this first profession, which is leadership. And especially in the modern age, it will come out in the discussion today, the need for a, a highly dynamic approach becomes all the more relevant. Um, do you agree with the concept, uh, Theo, of first profession for a leader? I think you've touched on a very critical, important topic here. And I think there's a lot that we can do in this area, Louis, is because, you know, you have in my own uh, profession, you get formally qualified, you get formally registered as a psychologist. We have that for engineers. We have that for doctors. They have this major critical role of leadership in society and anybody can move into the position. And I'm of the contention, and it's not only me, other people have supported this as well and, and made the point as well, that we should see leadership as a profession for which you should be accredited and judged accordingly in terms of certain criteria. So it's not something that happens by the way and goes with a position, you, because a leader is leading other professions. Uh, so why shouldn't the leader also, in his or her own right, be a accredited, registered profession, professional. Thanks, Theo. Our experience has been that uh, the need for this is really paramount. People, there's a lot of pressure on leaders. The more they understand, have a vision, again, our today's discussion will bring this out, I think, very beautifully. It's, it's so important. Um, by the way, Theo's own involvement from being an industrial psychologist, by the way, he's a very prominent industrial psychologist, but he's evolved to, to the understanding that actually calls himself a work psychologist. It's a whole different approach to it. It's a whole work environment to help us master it more effectively um, rather than pinpoint a specific area. Theo, please start our, our discussion. We said we started off, we said the theme is about leadership as a journey, a journey navigating towards a desired future. 
And I would like to contend, Louis, that this journey, uh, firstly, that if we look at leadership, we have to look at leadership as an ecosystem. And what I mean by ecosystem, a number of elements interacting like a, a living entity, so to speak. At the center of this, uh, of imagine a triangle. At the center of the triangle sits leadership. And around it, on each point of the triangle, is the context in which you have to lead as a leader, is the organization through which and you're going to lead. And thirdly, are the others, the stakeholders, the followers that you have to lead. And all of these elements are interaction, uh, in interaction. So against this backdrop of this framework of the leadership ecosystem, I, I would like to propose that there are five journeys that leaders have to undertake in going into the future in realizing uh, this desired uh, future. Um, and they, the journeys are not separate I would like to also introduce, once I've uh, outlined the, the, the journeys, to say, uh, imagine a rope. And this rope has got five strands. And they woven to braid it together into a single rope. And this rope is going to take you as a leader into the future. The first journey, in other words, also strand of the rope, is finding and adopting as a leader a unique quest. It's like the nights of the olden days where you say, I'm going to go... And, 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 and find this, uh, pursue this quest. Uh, and, and it's about an envisioned legacy. Uh, Louis, I'm of the contention before the leader has not found in an authentic way a quest to pursue. You, you can't take up a, a leadership role. Then you're merely a bureaucratic functionary. The second journey is uh, uh, parallel to, to, to this journey is a deepening authentication. Yeah, of see, me see, let me just sorry, yeah. just comment. We're going to discuss it further. I just want to uh, impress also on our listeners your your concept of the unique quest. Uh, we'll discuss it further. Yes, but I just want to say that uh, the, the great leaders we've come across are just passionately committed. And we'll discuss it along the way. If you don't see, uh, define your leadership career uh, as a unique quest, and this this quest will be tied in uh, fully, as we discuss later on, with the, your value system, etc. So this unique quest is a beautiful way to to say. Without that, you're neither hot or cold, and I think the pressure is going to get you. Thanks, Theo. Please go ahead. So first journey is finding and adopting a unique quest. The second one is your journey as a leader himself, which runs very close to this unique quest of deepening authentication. In other words, moving towards deeper and deeper towards a true self. And that's the old saying of know yourself. So you can't pursue the quest, adopt a quest, if you at the same time, other side of the coin, make it have a journey towards a deeper self, a deeper authenticity, which you refer to in the introduction. The third journey is a leadership, uh, it can't be leadership if they're not followers. So the third journey of a leader is towards stakeholders, finding the right, identifying the right stakeholders, and then convincing them, and I even want to use the strong term, converting them, like virtually like a religious experience, converting them into passionate, to passionately embrace with, with the leader this quest, this dream, uh, the, 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 the followers. The fourth journey is you are like a fish in the water, is, is that there must be a, a dynamic matching between the journey 
between a dynamic matching of the leader, the followers, the organization, and the quest within a certain context. Leadership always happens in a context, and there must be this fit. And so you, the, the fourth journey is about this dynamic matching, and the last one is, is because you use a platform of some kind from which you are delivering with your followers on the on the envisioned le- legacy uh, organization, whether it's formal or uh, informal, is how do you actually on an ongoing basis uh, innovate, innovatively reinvent your organization to stay in touch, to stay up, um, uh, to be able to deliver in this, this Vikas world or VUCA world as it's also called. So five journeys. They have to be uh, braided together like a rope in, uh, in, in these strands uh, to have a strong rope. So the strength of the rope is very dependent on the strength of the respective uh, strands making up that rope. So that's the overall picture, Thank uh, you. Louis, in terms of the journey, the five journeys. Thanks, Theo. We're going to discuss these uh these five principles now the illustration of the rope by the way is a very effective one as we go ahead with the discussion we'd like people to think of the illustration of the rope and uh, depending on how you you weave this rope you know the the, the, the it's the strings are are woven in different directions and things like that it'll determine the strength of the rope and therefore one's leadership profile as well um, um, Theo in, in, in terms of um, discussing this, I'd like us to to um, realize also, uh, people, that we have found that that the material itself, the quality of the IP that now is being broadcast in itself doesn't do the real good it's supposed to do. When you are involved in leadership conversations like Theo and I are having right now, that's really uh, uh, that. Uh, when another dynamic uh, steps in, that's when the growth and the change of mindsets happen. So hopefully people out there will use this podcast as a basis for creative discussions, difference of opinion, etc., but using the expertise of Professor Theo as a sounding board. And then from there, we can really perhaps generate uh, organizational or behavioral change, which is really the essence of good leadership. Please go ahead, Theo. Start with your, if you don't yeah. mind. Uh, Louis, just, uh, can I just uh, come back to a moment and pick up what you said about the rope? You know, it's, uh, the rope has got a very interesting symbolism. A rope connects two points and enables you to get from point A to B. So in this case, the navigating into the future, you have a desired future state. You have it as is and in the in-between state. You want to realize the to-be state in the present. So a rope is all about connectivity, enabling you to get to where you want to by connecting these two points. So you're very dependent on the strength of that rope to get you. And I think that's the essence for me of the topic we're addressing today. Without a strong rope, forget about the journey as a leader. You're going to falter. You're going to, to, to fall. You know, like, when you climb a mountain, if your rope is, is not strong enough to take you up and you uh, and even some cases you fall, the rope prevents you from from being killed. So the first journey is about this adoption and it sits right in the center. It, it's called a technical term for a rope. They call a kern. And right at the center of the rope is you can't become a leader before you haven't found, adopted a unique 
quest. But what's the essence of a quest for me, Louis? It's what difference, what legacy do you want to leave behind in terms of making the world a better, a different place for current and future generations? Uh, without a quest, you can't be a leader. Then you're just kind of passing time and muddling along. Uh, so the quest actually transforms you into the leader. Whether you want to to uh, um, leave behind a more healthy world, whether you want to leave a more peaceful world, whether you want to leave behind a world organization, people that use the new t- the technologies of the fourth industrial revolution more productively, all of those are quests. And, and, and you can use the analogy here as well of the knights of old that went onto the journey to, to, to pursue this quest in order to make things uh, better. I think that's the first thing is leadership required to be a leader, to be transformed into a leader, to become a leader in the first place is find a lasting, worthy legacy that you want to bring about. Uh, Theo, can I just comment uh, on the, uh, the crucial role that this uh, mindset plays in the life of a good leader? Um, we come across people roughly in two categories and all the hundreds of people we interview and relate to and help with training as well. The one attitude is the kind of prisoner of environment. In other words, if if we're concerned about the state president and his corruption charges and the general feeling, then it affects us profoundly. The other category are people who've developed an independent mindset where they fashion or navigate the word that Theo uses, a positive mental attitude. And this is what Theo is saying in a very down-to-earth way. One is need, needful for you and I to have a vision um, of exactly what we want to achieve and be able to live with that vision. And then that has an amazing impact on how we see things around us. Not so, Theo. Very much. It, it changed your whole mindset because the next step in that process, I've got now my quest, my the lasting worthy legacy that I want to leave behind. But now I have to kind of operationalize it, translate it into an inspiring dream. What will the world look like when I this legacy has come about? I want to leave behind a healthier society, uh, less poverty. So... I want to see people, each one has got a, a, a decent job. Each one can look after his family, to look after the, the education of my family. I mean, they, you have Bill Gates that wanted also to leave, his uh, endeavor is to leave behind a healthier world. So they are looking at HIV AIDS. They're looking at TB. So you have to then take the legacy and say, this is the dream I, I want to bring about. Um, in order as a means to get to the legacy. Okay, Theo, also this this dream um, must be relevant, obviously, uh, your point mentioned previously, previously to the context in which you operate. Otherwise, the dream Very must much. be directly relevant to your job, quite frankly. Otherwise, it's no good me having a, a great job, but my focus is so much on the world out there, uh, kind of a vague dream of changing the world, when I'm not changing my environment around me. Please go ahead, Theo. Yeah, and I think the last uh, a, a fiber of this strand of, of uh, a, a quest is about uh, you have to look 
at the uh, at the ultimate foundation and justification of the quest in terms of the purpose and the meaning that it carries. And and very often you have very great leaders and they have inspiring quests. But I mean the morality of that, the unethicalness of that, is just pulls the people down. So the the quest and the dream and the in other words the envisioned legacy has to be tested ultimately against truth and value and beauty and importance and goodness, infusing that, uh, the dream with and the legacy. Um, and that's the difference between ethical leaders and unethical leaders. It's a difference between uh, bad leaders and good leaders that what they're pursuing inherently in terms of its purpose and meaning carries uh, is, is moral, as truth, value, beauty. Otherwise, you are pulling the people down and uh, you denigrating them. Because if you've got a, 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 a this lasting, worthy uh, um, quest that you're pursuing, it will give people hope and faith and courage that there is a better and a different future. They won't go down in the dump, so to speak. They'll be better people at the end of it. Uh, Theo, thank you. Um, people, they, that, 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 what Theo is speaking about, uh, we... All leaders you come across speak of that they must be loyal to the value system. But let's just this elaborate the way Theo's done it as a psychologist and as a person who's got his own um, uh, deep-rooted spiritual value system as well and what he's saying. He uses the terms, uh, for instance, uh, truth, value, beauty, importance, and goodness <laughs> infusing and embodied in the chosen legacy-linked dream. Now, when we speak of values, we must understand the word values is meaningless. But when you start understanding, this has to do with principles of truth and with honesty, integrity, value. It must be of value, and it mustn't be mustn't be deceptive and and uh, and lead to immorality. Uh, beauty, importance, and goodness. The term goodness is. Not fashionable nowadays, but our experience is that when people start understanding their own essential goodness, it changes their lives quite dramatically. And this is what Theo is really saying: is this is the, the, the core or the the kern of the of the rope um, of having a quiet inner confidence in what you really are about, who you really are. So I think we cannot um, uh, emphasize enough. The importance of deciding for yourself what are your actual values, and then don't make it too fancy. These basic things we speak and we teach our children about of truth and value and beauty and goodness. This really is the core that drives um, the leaders that really make a positive difference out there. Yeah, Louis. If I could just build on you, you mentioned the word spirituality. Uh, another word, and I'm not talking about religion here, spirituality for me is about that ultimate purpose and meaning that you're bringing about and pursuing, is that your quest, the envisioned legacy that you want to leave behind, uh, is, is, uh, must be uplifting spiritually. It must give people meaning and purpose and hence faith and courage and hope. And that's what we've been missing in our country, hey, over the, uh, in the previous Dispensation is people. There wasn't this uplifting spirituality of we got a purpose and we got, we bring a deep purpose and a meaning that we're pursuing in in uh, infusing uh, the, the the vision and the dream that we have for the country. It's been missing, and I think we ha are starting to see that shift now. Yeah, well, Theo, speaking as 
an old man, that's why I'm still involved, because I'm passionate about that. Um, I really believe that, that uh, the pressures around us is really um, revealing who we really are and what you really think of yourself and what you are. And therefore, we're never too old to learn to value who we really are and decide exactly what do we stand for. Thanks, Theo. Can we move on to the next principle? Yeah, the, the first journey was as part of the kern of the rope, really the kern is at the center, is, is really as the other side of the coin in terms of the other strand, and they are closely intertwined. The first journey was adopting this, uh, this uh, quest, this envisioned legacy. The second strand of the rope is that simultaneously while you're finding, adopting, and working out your quest and what the dream looks like is a journey within yourself towards true self. It's a, a, a journey of deepening authentication that you become a more true person to yourself, understanding yourself uh, in terms of who you are. And it's all about... Uh, finding my own identity in this very changing, hyper-turbulent, hyper-fluid world, who and what I am. I mean, this identity, so it's an uh, enlightening crystallization of my identity. And Louis, I think there are five questions here that a leader increasingly at a deeper level, in order to arrive at the true self, must understand. Firstly, who and what am I as a person with my strength and my weaknesses? Secondly, what do I stand for and live by my core values? Thirdly, what do I aspire to, my ideals? Uh, fourthly, what drives me and why, my deepest motives? You know, why do I want to pursue this quest? For what reason? Uh, and fourthly, uh, fifthly, rather, how will I engage with those around me, with the world, uh, in my way of doing things? Uh, and and. I have to then work out my identity in terms of, of finding answers to these. And it's not a once-off. It is a journey of progressively having deeper insight, reflecting on finding answers to these questions. And then in the process, and that is really arriving at the genuine true self, understanding that leadership is beyond myself. It's not ecocentrically focusing on myself. So Sorry, Theo, let me just com comment on this because what Theo is saying to us requires a lot of thinking and, and we can't just take it at face value. We should think through the concept. <laughs> it's taken him years to arrive at these concepts, believe me. Um, it was a painful process and he's, he's walked the coals of life. For instance, he speaks of these five questions you ask. What he's really saying is in order for you to really transform into the kind of uh, leaders, and he's going to expand on that now, we need to to live by questions exactly what, who and what am I? Then you say that transforms into what um, um, Theo? Uh, I think what you realize along the way as the leaders grappling uh, with these uh, questions to find answers to them is a movement across all of them in terms of how I define my own identity, Louis, is that it's not about my ecocentric self as a leader. I have to transform into a humble, wise servant of the greater good, a trusted steward of this future on behalf of others that I'm pursuing. It's a movement be, a moving beyond myself, from myself, beyond myself, into a servant, a steward. And I mean, for me, the most beautiful example of that still remains 
when Nelson Mandela stood at the, the parade after he came out of prison and he stood there and he made his first public speech. He said, amongst other things, he said, I'm a servant of you. And the moment I am no longer servant of you, you must please ask me to go. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to serve the greater good. And that is the deepest point for me of, of true self and true authenticity. But Theo, you coupled that concept with another concept uh, about the dark side. I think it's very important for great leaders to realize um, the need for honesty and look at they've got a we, different terms, religions and spirituality defines it differently. But the truth is that we're all mortals. And therefore, in this process of becoming a humble, wise servant and steward of the greater good, it really becomes a reflection of a inner me of that person. And that's why we have this great uh, confidence in people like Nelson Mandela and, and uh, many other fine leaders. I know many such people. They really reflect their own inner self, but it's been a process. But facing up to the darker side of our nature. Just comment on that, please, <laughs> Theo. Yeah. yeah, we all have an imperfect side, Louis. There's no perfect leader. Whether it's expressed as a as a bad personality trait, if you want to call it that attribute, I'm short-tempered, I'm a high driver, uh, whether it is a, a, a weakness, I'm more a transactional uh, leader than a transformational leader. In the process of uh, uh, moving towards authentic, uh, uh, being a more authentic leader, at the same time, it's not about the upside of your leadership. It's also the downside. And it's how you're going to deal with your dark side. You must first face up honestly uh, to it. I mean, I'm, I'm a results-driven leader. But over time, that results-driven, if it goes unchecked, can become exploitation uh, of, of people, disregard of their personal needs because I just want to achieve. It become, could become even arrogance uh, that I'm this all-powerful results, uh, a leader able to achieve results. So what's important is that leader then realizes as part of these remaining authentic, or authentic is to put checks and balances also strong leaders alongside him, also strong followers, that he makes sure that he gets feedback in terms of his impact and hence can can uh, remain in check. Um, I've made a couple of times on the program the point about strong leaders are strong enough to admit to their weaknesses and hence complement them with strong leaders in the areas in which he or she is weak. Weak leaders can't do that. They're too threatened by their weaknesses, so they surround themselves with even weaker leaders and followers. That's why you mentioned the term, uh, there are risks endangering the journey to a true self. It, it takes a great deal of integrity. I, I smile at this because it is so enjoyable to me to meet people who you see have uh, embarked on this journey. And they have a sense of humility, teachability. They really listen and respond. Why? Because they, they are fighting arrogance all the time. So the risks are very clear, and, and any leader of quality realizes that along the way. Yeah, uh, I think for me the, the leaders, maybe I can just lift out for the sake of the listeners one important risk. What always concerns me is a person 
gets appointed as a CEO of a company. He or she maybe comes from the outside. Maybe he or she is currently in the company. And the company has got some other vision. Uh, to what extent is the, does the leader authentically relate to that vision of the, of, of the organization in making it itself his, his quest? Uh, that he wants to pursue, or just doesn't it just merely become? Ah, oh, it's part of my job description, part of my performance contract. But uh, the the leaders actually alienated uh, from that vision. It doesn't mean anything to them. And you know, your followers pick it up like anything. We're just here to make money and to line our pockets and to get good bonuses and good benefits. But really, the vision of the company means nothing to us. Theody. The, the, and I use the word beauty, not lightly, because it is a thing that's beautiful, I think, because it brings out the best in our society and in ourselves. Once one has um, perhaps settled to some extent into a inner co- quiet confidence that's value-driven, and you're quite prepared to give your life for that, this is part of that uh, second journey that Theo spoke speaking about. Then, only then, do you reach a stage where you have an kind of inner confidence um, that you can do anything that's worthwhile. In other words, I can, uh, but in a, in, a, in a very authentic way. Then you can go into the next phase, which Theo explains, which really is about I can and then you can. Please discuss the, the third journey, Theo. Yeah, the, you've now the kern has been, is, and of course it's a progressive thing here. You don't suddenly on Friday don't have the first two journeys or the strands of the rope and Monday you do have it. It's an ongoing weaving braiding process. But around this kern of a, 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 a unique quest that you're pursuing and have adopted as a leader. Secondly, the journey towards of, of, of understanding yourself and being an authentic leader, that around that kern, the next strand is the journey towards others. Uh, leaders lead people. Uh, without followers, you ain't got a, a leader. So leaders have to reach out and convert. And I'm deliberately using the word because it is a bit of a conversion process of converse, converting stakeholders into dedicated, courageous followers that buy into the quest the, as translated into a, a dream and want to jointly pursue that quest with a leader. So it's no longer my quest as a leader. It is our quest, our desired future. Uh, we want to make a difference as, as, as a group. So um, the, uh, creating uh, um, followers that passionately embrace the dream, envisioned uh, envisioned legacy is 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 the next rope that the leader has to 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 weave you or the, the next strand rather not the rope that's great strand of the rope as part of that let's face it normally when we think of authentic leadership we think of the this the influence that uh, such a leader has on people or society around him um, the word passionate embracement is is a key one i i just want to say when I deal with so many people, but quite frankly, uh, one of the first things one f- instinctively feel you look for is a, a passion. So therefore, if it's not passionate, 
then is it really authentic? Uh, most probably not. And we need to work for that. It's not a gift that comes easily. Um, this, your, your principle of the relationships, Theo, you emphasize that very strongly. Yeah. You the relationship, uh, uh, I've uh, kind of coined, and there's a little pun in there, said that leader, uh, followers let leaders lead, uh, lead them. And the let is an acronym for three things. Leaders, in order to to to, to convert uh, uh, stakeholders to followers, the first one of the let is le- legitimacy. Uh, uh, followers must award leaders the legitimacy to lead them, the license to lead them. The next one is the alignment of expectations uh, between leaders uh, and followers, and that these are healthy expectations. Uh, it, it gets translated, if I may introduce for a moment, a little bit of a technical term into the a psychosocial contract, a compact, if you wish, uh, between the leader and the followers that this is what I'll deliver against what you expect. But it's a healthy, constructive expectation. It's not the one party trying to exploit the others for their own uh, reasons. And the third one of the let leaders let uh, or followers let leaders lead them is trust. Without trust, ain't got any relationship. So Yes, is there license to lead the legitimacy? Are the expectations healthy, constructive, and aligned? And thirdly, is there deep trust between the parties uh, concerned? Oh, Theo, thank you. Theo, you, you mentioned in your, your impressive document also this uh, conversion process. In other words, that people must ultimately, it's what really matters most, is what each individual thinks, feels, and believes about themselves and how they fit into the organization. Then you mentioned a very important principle, and this is so indicative of authentic leadership. Um, I'm just quite here. Critically important at the beginning of the conversion process, in other words, where you, you get your people on board, is that leadership constitutes the process of engaging with stakeholders by meeting them where they are, physically, mentally, psychologically, and socially in time and location, in their initial ignorance of the quest propagated by leadership. In other words, this meeting them. Could you expand on that? Yeah, uh, you know, it always sometimes amuses me, if I can illustrate it practically, Louis, is you have the CEO, this leader grappling for a long time about his quest, translates it into a dream. A couple of months, it could be even a year. Then they put a, a, together this half an hour powerful PowerPoint slide uh, presentation. They present it to their people and uh, in, in a half an hour, 45 minutes, and there's dead silence. <laughs> and the CEO is very despondent and says, uh, you know, why can't they see this is exciting stuff? And then typically I ask the leader, you know, you've been grappling with this for months, could even be years. You expect people to become converted to this new dream that you've got, the dream that you're propagating, the quest, in 45 minutes. It, you also have to take them on a journey to understand, to buy in. Uh, I mean, first, it's a cognitive. Uh, remember, there's a first the stage of ignorance. We don't know what this is all about. And especially if you've been living in a flat world and your vision is about a round world, people now have to understand what a round world is all about. And then it's a, 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 a cognitive thing, an intellectual thing of understanding. Then it becomes an emotional thing. Yes, I can buy into this. 
I like this. I'm excited, but I'm getting passionate about this. And so it's an internalization of an identification with with um, uh, the quest uh, and the dream. And then only finally, it's an externalization with I really truly become a follower and I'm starting to live with a leader. The, the 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 dream and also the actualization of the desired future state. We listeners, we we love the term to use the essence of leadership. In other words, is after everything's been said and done, there's always a core essence and principle. Sometimes you don't understand it, but when theory is the term, uh, is by you you reach this um, this. Uh, Goal by meeting them where they are. Otherwise, you start off where your colleague is at presently, and you work from that point onward. Uh, to assume, I've often made that mistake because I naturally have a vision of what I do spiritually and, and whatever area I'm in. But I've often made the mistake of uh, uh, failing to understand that people need to go through the process, <laughs> and this is how um, it takes patience, but it, perhaps empathy. Is the right word, but you're meeting them where they are from there, and this is the the uh, great respect and trust you have in great leaders. Somehow, for instance, you said I was a great leader, and you know, guy may be very busy, but somehow you get the impression he's giving his full attention to you, he's meeting you at that moment. You know, in your world, what a difference it makes. No matter what his PA says or uh, the so-called busy program, he's meeting you. In your own world, and this makes a massive difference. Um, thanks, Theo. Um, do you think we can move to journey three, Theo? I just want to make a one point. Then we can move on. What's important for me around the the passionate embracement uh, of followers is that leaders all like uh, is is must look at the energy and 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 that the the leaders have the uh, the followers rather have the right energy to go into the future. Uh, if they run out of energy, you can't undertake the journey. So that's a single point there. I think the fourth journey is no, what sorry, we've done. Sorry, Theo. Uh, that's yep. imp- the point is so important, people. You know, if there's one thing that we find uh, that the people in common is uh, they're very busy and they don't have all the energy they think they should have. Uh, but Theo goes further. He defines different kinds of enemies. I think one should listen carefully to that. Theo, as you define the various categories of enemy, for instance, hope and faith. Well, there's yeah. spiritual energy about hope and faith. We've referred to that. There's heart energy, the drive and dedication, head energy about security and clarity about what we want to do. There's hands and feet, the action, efficacy and resilience. And there's backbone or gut energy, courage and perseverance. So the leader, leader has to make sure that we're embarking on this journey and my followers have the the, the right level of, of energy and that he or she maintains that energy. I, I sometimes think that is the essence of leadership is in terms of relative to followers. Do I have the right energy in my followers to go through this desert of change? See, this is where the passion comes in. Uh, Theo, you mentioned also, and I don't want to move on, Without touching on it, uh, the, the nature of opponents and opposition. We we define a kind of law, Alicia Platon. We speak of the law, the law of resistance. We say that all movement is accompanied by resistance. And if we need to audit a leader, uh, we will say his his attitude towards resistances to opponents and opposition is really the core element that defines him. Uh, some people somehow aim for a, a life of constant peace and contentment, 
we don't face opposition. The contrary is true. People who have that inner peace have got a certain mindset towards opponents and opposition. Not so, Theo. Yes, I can only but endorse what you said, Louis. Um, uh, at the same time that you have followers, you have to uh, opponents, um, and how do you deal with them? In sometimes it is uh, uh, the uh, final is uh, the bottom line of that is how do you deal with constructively with opposition and opponents? They could be to your benefit. They could also be to your detriment. If you don't have this kind of mindset, Theo, I think. It's an impossible journey because, you know, everything will be a walled. And, of course, resentment and, and antagonism follow so quickly if we don't have a, a, a calmness of spirit to help people with through the opponents. And in some cases, you know, you have to handle it. And sometimes you have to draw the line and be, be tough. Um, of course, all leaders, you know, have to have steel in them. Not so, Theo. Yes, very much. I think I can add to the list you've mentioned. It's envy, it's jealousy around what a leader is achieving. But sometimes there is a question of legitimacy, whether what the leader is pursuing, people question legitimacy of that. Yeah. Previous sessions with with Theo over the past year goes into this um, in a, in a deep-rooted way. People are strongly encouraging people to look it up. Okay, journey four, Theo. Journey four is another strand to the rope, and that is is the journey uh, happens into the future, happens in a context. And what the leader has to understand, he, he or she has to understand the demands, the challenges, requirements of the context, and it's in a foresightful way. And I think I can't but overemphasize that point of a foresightful view, understand what's happening systemically uh, in the context, such that he himself, his followers, his organization, uh, his envisioned legacy, and you've made that point before, Louis, fit in a dynamic fashion uh, uh, this this context, uh, that there's resonance between them in terms of the concept I introduced earlier on in the leadership ecosystem that uh, things are working because we understand the context. And we see so often that leaders in one context uh, historically, Winston Churchill is a good example of that, was brilliant, matched the context, and then another point gets rejected because the, the context has passed them on or they have not adapted. They don't understand the new context and the new followers. So remain, the journey is remain in touch with your context and make these adjustments um, foresightfully in order to remain dynamically matched to the changes in that context. The 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 term of context is so important to you. It just um, uh, you know kind of uh, integrates with our strong feelings on the subject. Uh, quality leaders, authentic leaders, have a sense of of contextual relevance um, because you know you can be concerned about something, but if it's not relevant to the context of the job you're doing or the people around you, then it, it, it doesn't resonate at all. So therefore, uh, contextual relevance is so important. It takes some wisdom, but it also takes, uh, Theo, it's extremely difficult to have this contextual maturity if you haven't looked at the other part of the forming of the drop. In other words, you must be confident in yourself, you must be com- confident in your yeah. value system and also of the organizational goals, etc. So that... Um, it's the journey within an unfolding context, dynamic matching, I think is a very powerful term. Um, can we just discuss, uh, Theo, your, your uh, 
uh, independent seeing components. In other words, you have to see context around you. And he mentions yeah. now, Theo, some various uh, descriptions to help us understand how we, how we determine, inform, formulate a proper contextual uh, maturity. Yeah. Um, I like the term contextual relevancy because I think it, it equates for me directly to dynamic matching, Louis. Yes. Uh, I think there are three things here that the leaders must, must uh, in the journey, get right uh, in towards the future, realizing this desired future. You must have the right set of glasses on to look at the world. I mean, can I repeat that little uh, metaphor of me? If you believe the world is flat, while the world is round, you're going to pick up some serious trouble engaging and matching yourself to the world. So you have to ask the, 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 the question, have I got the right uh, uh, set of glasses on to give me a 2020 vision about the context in which I have to operate? I mean, one example is you can't believe that the world is still working like a machine. You know, A causes B causes C. Well, meanwhile, what we understand nowadays in the world is that we rather should have a complexity view of the world, that everything related to everything else. And I have to build a systemic view, dynamic view of how the world functions and what the rules are that, that inform the patterns that I'm observing in the world. So the first one is have the right set of glasses on, find those glasses Theo, can and I polish them all the time, so to speak. Yeah, Theo, can I Two more to go. Can I just mm-hmm. mention it ties in with the a concern one has if you're involved in authentic leadership a lot. Um, he says, uh, currently the best understanding of reality seems to be complexity. Now, this is also a situation of, of, of uh, having a, a wisdom, a wise mindset, because if you don't have a respect for the complexity of things, then you you start being a person that labels so easily as judges. And we find a lot on our public plat- uh, platforms that people insult each other so quickly. They don't necessarily um, discuss the action or the principle, but they insult the person. You label the person. If you don't understand the complexity or respect that, etc., then you can easily fall for the, 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 the poor leadership ability to to label too quickly before you look at the full picture. Not so, Theo. Very much so. You've, you've summarized it uh, very well, Louis. Um, I think added into that is uh, we've referred to values before. It's also what are the right values, the relevant values, uh, that the acceptable values. I mean, we talked about this worthy legacy. And, and, and it is all about the value kind of system that's emerging is, is that of sustainability and of stewardship and servanthood uh, for leadership. So if you don't have that value uh, system, you're going to be mismatched to the context. You won't have context relevancy to use your, your term. So the first one for me is, is, is the set of glasses. We're talking about context, the dynamic matching to the context. The second one is journey is about change. And have you got the right assumptions about change in this this uh, VUCA world or VUCA world that we you're engaging with. I mean, if you still believe past recipes are still applicable to the future, if you still believe that we can start with the present and extrapolate into the future, you're going to be dead in the water because the new world is demanding of you to say, I start with the future and then define how I want to uh, uh, transform the present. Um, as, as Peter Drucker said, I've quoted him before in this program, the best way to predict the future is to create it. 
The other thing that we know now of this this new world we're facing is is past recipes have become irrelevant. Uh, we can't work any longer with that. Uh, also, that the 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 future is the arena of action. So. Second thing about contextual relevancy or dynamic matching, Louis, for me, is understand the assumptions of how you see change uh, unfolding and you have to deal with change in this hyper-turbulent, hyper-fluid world. The, um, you mentioned various points that people are so welcome to go through when they study the, the podcast. Um, uh, the fact that, that old assumptions is so dangerous – I must say that your understanding of the attitude towards change is so important. In fact, that becomes a vital part of any authentic leader's makeup is how he handles chains around him. Theo mentioned also, and we're running a little bit out of time, is, for instance, change is messy. A permanent state of unfreezing. I love that. In other words, that you have to accept the fact that when you blink, things change around you. But it's amazing, though, that how a mature attitude, emotionally mature attitude, copes with that, even smiles at the fact that you don't expect things to always be the same. In fact, you must anticipate and have a very very positive mindset towards change management. Theo? Yeah, I think the, men- the ones you've mentioned are quite relevant, is question very deeply how you see change and change navigation in this world. Otherwise, you you may think it's a recipe like a program. We move from A to B. You have project management. And meanwhile, the world doesn't work like that at all. It's about juggling balls and and being very adaptable and agile as you move ahead in this journey. Otherwise, the, 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 the context will spew you out, so to speak. Uh, you want us to deal with finally, quickly, with the last journey? Please, just uh, finally, Bill. Yeah. Um, I know we're running out of time, but the fifth strand of this this rope is a leader, followers use a platform from which they're going to to travel into the future. It's an organization of some kind. It can be a formal organization. It could be an NGO. It could be a network organization. And we've seen a lot of those emerging, these leaderless revolution through the social media, the Arabic spring, whatever But you need a platform. And all I want to say about this platform, Louis, the organization, is in this highly turbulent world, you have to be reinventing in a very innovative fashion your organization all the time to be able to undertake the journey. Because you're going to take that envisioned legacy and translate it into the strategic intent of the organization, its mission, its vision, its its, uh, ideology. But if you don't have an agile organization, that's able to adapt itself, not adapt itself, reinvent itself on an ongoing basis, the, you, the, your chances of, of actually uh, successfully realizing the future, traveling into the future, is kind of virtually zero. And we see a lot of organizations that are just staying the same, although the context and the, the visions they want to achieve are radically different and the world in which they have to operate are radically different, but they're still carrying on the same way of operating. Uh, Theo, you know, we're getting towards um, the last few minutes. Uh, just quickly, we had a lovely session with your colleague, Dr. Andrew Johnson, that, of course, yeah. that's a, uh, that's a partner with you facilitating that incredible book on leadership that Theo has, uh, has, has 
uh, as published. But he used a word also um, to back up what you're saying that when you've studied all the boffins about all the attributes needed in various forms of leadership, they come at the end, they say, this only leads to one kind of ability, which he called skillful improvisation. In other words, yeah. innovative reinventing. This is what you're saying. And what, yeah. we, what we're saying is it takes a specific kind of humility and mindset. But this is where, with respect, the fun lies, even the joy, the, the uh, happiness, if we have that kind of uh, confidence that you can improvise skillfully, that you can reinvent what Theo is saying. Um, and therefore, now this requires a whole separate exercise as well about how you approach the organization. And so, of course, this is very much in line with your skill set as well. Theo, just finally, um, um, can you, in terms of uh, your personal feeling on, on uh, to summarize the, your one personal mindset towards this journey, how would you, how would you say that? You know, uh, continuing with the idea of a quest, Louis, it's the night that's courageous that goes out there, but the big shift is now, it's no longer the single night that goes out there. It is shared leadership. It's followers that jointly, the, the, the challenges are too tough to believe that you as the leader is going to bring it about. Uh, realize the, the quest, bring it home. You have to mobilize people around you in the understanding your context, uh, uh, setting up your organization from not a command and control type of organization, but this agile organization to actually create that future that we desire, that's worthy, and that carols, uh, carries moral weight and, and, and convincing to give people courage and faith uh, that we have a future. Uh, Theo, would you agree then? based on what you've said, that really, leaders, it's possible to create an environment that people enjoy their work um, and they really feel part of the solution. In that sense, how do you feel about the future of South Africa, uh, Theo? I'm, I'm very optimistic. I think what we're seeing, it still has to realize there's a bit of a spring in the air, so to speak, but I think what I detect is a shift away uh, in the appeal of the the, of our new state president in the State of Union address, it said it's about our country, it's about our future. The moment we start using those terms as in a sharing way, and, and I'm detecting, we're not seeing it as yet in the growth of the country, the GDP, but I'm just detecting a kind of a bubbling over. You know what? Previously, if I may use an analogy, it was like a soccer team with 11 players playing on 11 different fields. The goalie on one field, the defender on another field. What a, at least we're not there yet, but I think we're all starting to congregate on the same field and saying we're a team together and we want to play in this league and uh, bring uh, this kind of, of rewards, victories back home. Uh, Theo, thank you. Um, Professor Theo Feldsman, a very good friend and a valuable contributor to the world of authentic leadership. So we respect you and we love you for that um, and uh, we look forward to future association. Thanks, Theo. Thank you very much, Louis. Thank you for having me. This is CliffCentral.com.